Hello, dearest listeners, and welcome to the Longevity and Lifestyle podcast, where I invite pioneers and thought leaders in their respective fields to give us the strategies, tools, and practices to live better and help reach our true potential. My guest today is celebrity longevity doctor, Dr. Kian Vu, also known as Dr. V. Dr. V is one of the most sought after health professionals in the United States, and his inspiring story takes us on a journey from being the only baby to survive on an eight month long refugee boat to turning his own health around and sharing his advice in his newly released book, Thrive State, your blueprint for optimal health, longevity and peak performance. Dr. V's personal life and health transformation happened by looking inward and focusing on his path to self-discovery, self-love and self-acceptance, whilst also overcoming multiple chronic diseases himself. At his VU MD Longevity and Performance Clinic in Los Angeles, Dr. VU works with top corporate executives, athletes, celebrities and high-performing professionals to optimize their health and enhance vitality and performance. Dr. Vu also trains the next generation of health physicians at UCLA, directly driving the shift from 20th century pill prescription and rapid diagnosis method to the 21st century preventative and health optimization approach. In this episode, we discuss Dr. Vu's path to where he is now, his personal struggles that has transformed into successes and how to live an abundant, happy and full life in optimal health, of course. Before we begin, please subscribe to the podcast to get your weekly dose of longevity inspiration. I'd love to hear from you. So please leave a comment to let me know what you think on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or reach out to us on Instagram at longevity and lifestyle. Thanks and please enjoy. Welcome to the Longevity and Lifestyle podcast, Dr. Kian Vu, or also known as Dr. V. It's a real pleasure to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me on. It's great to be able to connect with people from the other side of the world, knowing that you know, no matter where we're at, we are still in a human experience. We are still in this together. And to connect with you is a real joy. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's such a pleasure. And across the pond, as they sometimes say as well, right? So <laughs> oh. you are one of the most sought after longevity and performance physicians in the United States and slowly globally as well. But before we get into that, I would love to start with your own story and health journey. You've overcome a lot of obstacles in your life, from my understanding. And yeah. I know you're going to be a big inspiration for my listeners here. So can you tell us about that journey and how it shaped your path to medicine? Yeah, certainly. Let's start a couple of years ago where I find myself in a health despair. And then I'll go even further back because I'm going to share how my story up to that, how early experience in my life has shaped my disease that I got a few years ago. So about five years ago, you know, somebody uh -huh. would pierce inside my life and they would say, wow, this guy's got a pretty ideal life. He's a medical doctor. He's got a dream house. He's got the car. He's got everything in life that is deemed, you know, quote, success on paper. Right. And, yeah. and for those people who are not watching, I did the air quotes, quote, quote <laughs> yeah. success. Right. So I was traveling around the world. I was speaking on, you know, the advances in interventional radiology. So for those people who don't know, I'm a conventionally trained uh, medical doctor, MD. I was mm -hmm. trained in the field of interventional radiology. So mm -hmm. radiology is medical imaging, x-rays, mm -hmm. CT scans, ultrasounds. It's all this advanced technology, probably the most advanced technology available to medicine these days. We can use that to detect and pierce inside the body to see what disease look like. And as an interventional radiologist, I basically use those technologies to do minimally invasive surgeries or minimally invasive 
interventions on people. So I've worked with people with end stage diabetes, cancer, you know, renal disease. And as a radiologist, I also knew what those diseases look like in the body. So I was really educated and knew the broad spectrum of the different diseases that were there. And in Mm -hmm. fact, I was probably at the top of my game treating a lot of these diseases. Mm -hmm. But then I found myself, you know, being at the top of my game underneath the white coat, I was overweight. I was mm-hmm. diabetic. I mm-hmm. had high blood pressure and I was mm-hmm. on prescription medications. Mm-hmm. And I looked at myself in the mirror many days and I said, wow, I didn't like the man I had become. Mm-hmm. And how am I a doctor who's giving medical advice and telling people to be healthy when I'm yeah. the walking chronic disease statistic myself? And, you know, I didn't understand why that was the case. And, and certainly I thought maybe I was just dealt with bad genes and mm-hmm. that's why my life is the way it is. Mm-hmm. And it was really at that point, I started to do a deep dive, a deep mm-hmm. dive into trying to understand, okay, my life will not be subjected to medications only for the rest of my life. How do mm-hmm. I turn this around? And it was really diving into a little bit of who I am as a person mm-hmm. and how I became this doctor. Mm-hmm. And you know, the Dalai Lama had a quote. He said, what he found most interesting about humanity, he said, man, because he would sacrifice his health in order to make money and then mm-hmm. sacrifice his money to recuperate his health. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, I was really that story. And actually yeah. a lot of my clients share that very similar story to me. Mm-hmm. So for people who don't know, you know, I was a immigrant to America. I was born a couple of years after the end of the Vietnam War in Vietnam, you know, and they basically seized all the businesses, seized all the money that was there. My parents were pretty much left with nothing. And they said to themselves, this is no place to raise a child. And so mm-hmm. overcoming all odds, they basically mm-hmm. took me, escaped with me by boat. And we were on a refugee boat filled with 2000 refugees trying to sail to a better future. In fact, 2000? we sailed to the Philippines. Yeah, 2000. Wow. Yeah. I was probably one of the few infants on the boat, the only one that survived. Um, so brave. And, I'm getting goosebumps, and, literally, like thinking about this. Wow. I, I, every time I talk about it, I get goosebumps too, because my daughter right now, she's six months old today. Oh, congratulations. Thank okay. you so much. <laughs> and I just look at her and I'm like, how did my parents have me at that age on yeah. a boat? With 2,000 yeah. people. I mean, they were um, like, yeah, there was no space for you to kind of walk or crawl. We were mm-hmm. basically carrying you on this boat for eight months. And, and also not in, to fall off. And I mean, eight months as well to even think about that. Eight months there, on a boat. There I were mean, people that basically fell off the boat. People died of dysentery. I had wow. dysentery. I nearly died as well. And then once there was room in the refugee camps, we were in the refugee camps in the Philippines. And then as mm-hmm. an early Christmas present in 1979, I'm dating myself right now, we're sponsored <laughs> to America. And one would think a child growing up, having survived this refugee experience would be as so- As an grateful. infant though, right? I mean, obviously no, there's, there's, something- There's, there's no conscious memory of it. But you know, if I look back now, there's certainly you know what my parents went through. Trauma. And, yeah. Yeah. There's trauma. And there's certainly some trauma that I picked up too, because there's a lot of energy, yeah. of fear of, yeah. of paranoia that transferred over. Yeah. And so as a kid growing up, you would think, oh, okay, this kid would be very grateful that he survived this experience. But that wasn't the case. You know, I grew mm-hmm. up, we were in a very poor neighborhood in Los Angeles and I got bused to a more affluent area for school. And when mm-hmm. I was there, I was probably one of the few Asian kids that were there. And so I was constantly being teased for, mm-hmm. you know, not being white, for the holes in my hand-me-down clothes, for the stinky Chinese food my mom sent me to school <laughs> with, right? Go back to your oh, home gosh. country, Chinky. I got all of that. Oh, gosh. And so 
you know, those experiences really shaped me. And I remember a lot yeah. of times coming home from school, just not liking who I was, not liking mm -hmm. the skin I was in. Mm -hmm. I wish I was taller. I wish I was richer. I wish mm -hmm. I, I didn't have my family. I wish mm -hmm. I lived in a different neighborhood. So mm -hmm. all those feelings of not being worthy and not being enough, that's mm -hmm. what drove this person. And mm -hmm. I constantly had to develop this shell of how do I become somebody, you know, mm -hmm. my skin's not accepted. How do I become somebody mm -hmm. who could belong when mm -hmm. inside I didn't really feel like that was the case. Mm -hmm. And throughout so my like, life, how do you build that facade? Right. And I think that exactly. that's a lot of like learned behavior, but and I'm sure you're going to get to it, but it's the core inside is just not strong. Right. So Absolutely. yeah, you push through. And, yeah. And you know what, that's a great motivator for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, you know, develop, you know, parts of the personality that is good. You know, mm -hmm. for me, you know, I developed, you know, wanting to be happier, learning how to yeah. speak or entertain or to have a bubbling personality. Yeah, but all me that too. Was I just, shy. <laughs> right. All that, you know, as a facade of this inside not being enough. Mm -hmm. And no matter what I achieved on the outside, the inside mm -hmm. still felt the same way. And yeah. I was constantly chasing, 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 mm -hmm. chasing that thing that the Dalai Lama said was success or money. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I basically used that white coat to cover up for that not enoughness I had inside. Well, mm -hmm. guess what? When your body's going through that stress, when you're in that mode of chasing, you don't feel that, you know, those feelings of true gratitude or that you mm -hmm. can be yourself. You're in stress. And yeah. a lot of people, when they're in those stress states, as I talk in my book, will reach for unhealthy habits. They might yeah. not sleep very well. They're not going to eat very well. Certainly, they're mm -hmm. not going to move. You know, they're not going to live a life congruent with a healthy state. And these are things I did not learn in medical school. You know, mm -hmm. it was really tapping in to, who I truly am as a person, mm -hmm. acknowledging, accepting, and loving who that person is, and then diving deep into nutrition, epigenetics, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. what it really means to be healthy, that I was able to reverse my conditions in four to six months. And Amazing. it was really the ability to do that without medicine, without the mm -hmm. stuff that I got trained to do, said, oh my God, there's a whole new world out there. Yeah. And, you know, the reason why I share that story is to let people know that really you, you know, I'm looking in front of the camera, you are really your, your best medicine. And if yeah. you could understand who you are, if you just mm -hmm. understand why you're here and just live that way and share mm -hmm. yourself with other people, that's the medicine that will, you know, put you at having the highest odds of being an optimal health, having longevity and peak mm -hmm. performance, mm -hmm. and, you know, put you at very low risk of getting chronic disease, potentially even reversing your disease if mm -hmm. you're not that far along. Yeah. And that's what's so exciting, I think, as well. And that's the purpose of what we're doing with Longevity and Lifestyle is bringing pioneers and thought leaders like yourself on. I mean, we've had Dr. Bill Bredesen with his Reversing Cognitive Decline and Alzheimer's, the program my mother's on. So it's very close to my heart as well. We've touched on so many amazing things. So I think at the beginning, you said about five years ago, you had this kind of, you know, looking in the mirror, thinking I'm treating all these diseases, yet I'm on the path myself. And you did a deep dive. How did that deep dive look like? How did you reverse your own chronic diseases? Yeah, great question. Well, it just started off with what did I know? And I didn't really know a lot when I first started, but I said, you know well, what? You, you were a trained doctor, so you didn't I was know. a trained doctor. But the thing is, they didn't Hopefully. teach me any of this stuff, right? The stuff that they have at the hospital, I'm going to give you an example. The foods that they had at the hospital, oh, some gosh. some hospitals I worked at actually had fast food that were there. <laughs> you know? uh, all the hospitals had these like energy drinks that were there <laughs> uh, that were loaded with sugar. And basically, you know, my mornings were large cups of coffee with like six pumps of international delight, you know, <laughs> which is a lot of sugar plus energy drinks throughout the day. So it was like getting a heaping 
you know, amount of sugar in my body, which is very inflammatory. So the first things I did was just remove the sugar, remove the energy Mm -hmm. drink, started to, you know, eat a little bit better and be a little bit more conscious about, you know, about sleeping and working out. And I already Mm -hmm. noticed like huge shifts when I started to do that. Then mm-hmm. I went a little bit deeper. Then I went into the more personal development route and really started mm-hmm. to understand myself and mm-hmm. understand the emotional states I was in. And then I started to study emotional states. And you know, mm-hmm. hopefully we'll get into this later, but the emotions that we feel every day mm-hmm. actually dictate our biology. Mm-hmm. And when I started to understand that and started becoming aware of, okay, well, where am I spending a lot of these emotions? All right, well, mm-hmm. if it's these emotions that are putting us in an inflammatory state, can I shift that? Yeah. What are some things I could do to shift some mm-hmm. of that? As I started to do that, I started to notice, okay, even more shifts that are happening in my body. Then I went, you know, and did a lot of the personal development things. And I just started Mm -hmm. to be like, I am much more connected now, knowing myself, showing up as myself, and Mm -hmm. then using my story or my experiences Mm -hmm. to help other people. Yeah. Then there was that spiritual side. There was that community Mm -hmm. side. And as I studied epigenetics, I knew all of these things actually has biochemical changes that Mm -hmm. happen in our body that actually gift us with abundant health, peak performance, and longevity when we start to tap into these things. So that was basically the journey. It started off really kind of working on the physical things that I knew. And then as I started to dive in deeper with myself, it was mastering the emotional, the Mm -hmm. mental, and the Mm -hmm. spiritual aspects of what contributes to how our cells behave. And basically, it was that entire learning that I put in my book, Thrive State, right behind me. Yeah, and I'm really excited to talk about that in a little bit as well. And there's so many aspects I love because also, you know, I've discovered years ago also like meditation and emotional states and things like that as well. I'd love to hear your view and talk a little bit more about your journey there and what you've learned about it and also about epigenetics and that, you know, it is science-based. You can actually see what is happening in the body in these different states as well. It's so incredible. But what would you say is the... Or what, in your view, is the relationship between chronic diseases, performance, and longevity? How does that all correlate with one another? Because I think many people see it like, oh, this is heart disease, or this is dementia. These are all not interrelated. They're not interlinked. But what's your view on that? Yeah, that's the conventional medicine view of things, you know? They break Mm -hmm. it down into these organ systems, and you've got one specialist for everything, and they're not understanding how they all work. You know, as I started to build my understanding of epigenetics and and all these other things, it's all very related. And things that you need to do to fix this one heart disease over there might be the same things you need to do to fix depression and anxiety and all these things because they're all connected. And what is these things? Well, you know, it all boils down to the state of our cells, right? Cells work together through energy to form tissues. Tissues work together through energy to form organs, organs work together in organ systems, and then they make up who we are, right? Mm -hmm. So if we want longevity, peak performance, Mm -hmm. optimal Mm -hmm. health, we -hmm. want all our systems to be optimal, right? We want our nervous Mm -hmm. system to be optimal. We want our musculoskeletal system to be optimal. Mm -hmm. You know, we want need our cardiovascular system to be be optimal. And Mm -hmm. what then does that all boil back down to? Well, if we want optimal systems, then we need optimal tissues and optimal Mm -hmm. cells. So if we yeah. have optimal cells and our cells optimally functionally, that's when we have longevity, peak performance, and optimal health. Mm-hmm. Well, the flip side of the coin is basically what causes chronic symptoms and chronic disease. Mm-hmm. If you have suboptimal cells, you form suboptimal tissues, mm-hmm. suboptimal organs, suboptimal mm-hmm. systems. Mm-hmm. You have suboptimal cardiovascular system. That's when you've got 
maybe high blood pressure, atherosclerosis, mm -hmm. heart attack, and stroke. Suboptimal immune system will give you chronic infections, autoimmune disease, or cancer. Suboptimal nervous system will mm -hmm. give you dementia or Alzheimer's disease and things like that. So it's suboptimal systems that will lead to symptoms or chronic symptoms mm -hmm. or chronic disease. So mm -hmm. that's how they're all related. So it's really how the cell is functioning. And here's the good news. That state of our cells has less to do with what we got from mom and dad, which is our DNA, but mm -hmm. actually how the DNA responds to its cellular environment. Mm -hmm. And the great news is this, what makes up that cellular environment or what I call the bioenergetic state, what yeah. makes up that bioenergetic state is made up mm -hmm. of the things that you feed yourselves. Mm -hmm. And in my book, I call them the seven bioenergetic elements. Mm -hmm. If you focus your life on these seven things, you create an energy around the cells and you're telling yourselves, hey, I'm going to give you everything you need for optimal health, longevity, and peak performance. And mm -hmm. what are those seven things? There's sleep, nutrition, mm -hmm. movement, yeah. stress and emotional mastery, mm -hmm. relationships, our thoughts and mindset, and mm -hmm. purpose. And if we focus on those things. That's yeah. kind of like the 80-20 rule or the 90-10 rule. You know, it's not a hundred percent, but if you master those seven things, your ability to have optimal health, longevity, and peak performance are really high and you getting chronic disease or those chronic symptoms are going to be very low. I mean, for the rest of the 10 or maybe 20%, it might be, you know, an infection or it might be a heavy metal or an allergy where you but would talk solvable. to a doctor like me. Exactly. Yeah. But for generally everybody else, if you focus on those things, your yeah. ability to access the very best version of yourself, as well as optimal health is really in your fingertips. Yeah, which is so exciting as well. And I love that you're empowering people and sharing this information. And I'd love to just even take a deep dive into those seven different areas sure. and just what are your top tips and just to walk through them? Because, you know, people are like sleep. Yeah, I need to sleep more. Like, what does it mean? I mean, I wear an aura ring and it's been a real yeah. eye opener for me. I'm still trying to figure out how to get more REM sleep. I'm good at deep sleep and the other things, but REM sleep, nope. <laughs> Can you just walk us through the top tips for the seven different areas? Sure, certainly. If we went through sleep. Sleep is so important because it's controls your circadian rhythm, which mm -hmm. is really the ebb and flow of how your body responds, you know, during the day, right? You mm -hmm. need to wake up, you know, in the morning. So you need some cortisol burst in the morning to kind of wake you up. And then mm -hmm. later at night, things wind down. Everything mm -hmm. is tied together, right? Your circadian rhythm is tied to your digestive system. Mm -hmm. And there's certain times in the day you should be exercising and thinking and things like that. So it's all tied together. And that's all tied together also in the hormones that are released. And mm -hmm. sleep is one of those things that allows you to reset. And if you're not getting good sleep, your hormones are off. And you may feel like crap, which is why sleep is so important. I've well, had many years of that as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can testify. So yeah. how do you get better sleep? Well, I mean, if, if we look at it throughout the day, sleep doesn't start right when you decide to say, oh, okay, you know what? It's time to go to bed, mm -hmm. right? I wish. In order for you to get good sleep, it's really the routine that you carry throughout the day. Right. Because if your circadian rhythm is off, when you really want to get to sleep, you might not be able to. So mm -hmm. how do I start off my day? Well, I start off my day, you know, when I wake up trying to go outside and getting a lot of sunshine immediately, mm -hmm. sunshine mm -hmm. to your skin, sunshine to your eyes that will reset your circadian rhythm. It will you know, give you that little cortisol bump. Your and how many minutes? Like, what would you recommend? I would say 20 to 25 minutes. And the great okay. thing you can do during that time is getting some exercise. exercise then you're, yeah. you're getting a two four, you know, by doing both in the morning. Yeah. Now throughout the day, you know, it's not a matter of if, but when stress hits you mm -hmm. and having things throughout the day for you to, you know, to ground yourself back. So mm -hmm. it might be a meditation practice. It might be walking, mm -hmm. it might be journaling. It might be doing mm -hmm. some of those things throughout the day, just so that, you know, you could be grounded 
Otherwise, yeah. you let stress take you over mm -hmm. when you're trying to yeah. sleep at night. Those things yeah. are still in your mind, right? The monkey mind, uh, yeah. Exactly. Then we talk about stimulants like alcohol or caffeine. I don't drink any alcohol anymore. And then I certainly limit any coffee or caffeine before 2 p.m. And then making sure that you exercise every day, that movement of exercise, particularly when you get in, in the morning, is going to help you sleep at night. Mm -hmm. When you're getting ready to sleep, turning off the blue lights or wearing blue light blocking glasses so that you know the blue light actually suppresses melatonin which is necessary, you know, for you to get deep sleep, maybe some of that REM sleep. So I don't know if blue light blocking glasses would be good for you. Well, but, yeah, I have all the screens that turn colors, but yeah, I need right. to optimize and hack this. So I had to yeah. be continued, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so that's great. And then also, you know, making sure you have a nice sleep environment, use your bed for sleeping and for sex only, you know, don't do the TV in there and things like that. So have yeah. a really nice environment. You might want a good sleep routine, which might include a warm bath, a massage, mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. like that. And then, you know, maybe even some journaling, you know, journaling what you did during the day, what you were grateful for during the day, what mm -hmm. you need to do tomorrow. That's mm -hmm. going to get that stuff out of your head and mm -hmm. onto a piece of paper so that you're not, you know, enumerating it you know, when you're trying to go to bed. So just having that, that whole kind of day routine to prepare you mm -hmm. for a good night's rest, I find those things to be very, very helpful. Really, really helpful. And what about some of the other areas that you touched on then? So, I mean, you said also with exercise and people are like, you know, I went for a little walk, you know, for two minutes. Is that exercise? Mm -hmm. What's exercise? Walking is exercise, exercise and movement, which is why I label it movement and not necessarily exercise because some people mm -hmm. are like, I will not exercise. I'm willing to move. <laughs> okay. And, and you know what? That's what our ancestors were. You know, all these things that I'm saying, all these seven things are the mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual things that our ancestors were basically programmed in our genes to be able to, to live. And it's mm -hmm. really the departure from living that way is what's growing with our biology and giving mm -hmm. us chronic symptoms and chronic disease. You know, mm -hmm. our ancestors moved every single day. Right now, a lot of people have desk jobs in front of their computers and mm -hmm. they're not moving. So yeah. any form of activity that you are willing to do every day, the more you move, the better. And in my book, I talk about different movement strategies. Mm -hmm. I weightlift because you know lean muscle is the most metabolically active tissue we have in our body, which is great for mm -hmm. you know keeping blood sugars in check and for mm -hmm. you to have great metabolism. Mm -hmm. So I weightlift. And then mm -hmm. I also do high intensity interval training. And once a week I go out for a long sprint, you uh -huh. know, but. And is that for men every... and women as well? Would you recommend? And I mean, a lot of our listeners are more like, you know, optimizers wanting to be peak performance. We also have people with different illnesses as well. Right. But if you wanted to optimize things, would you say, you know, that weightlifting, growing muscle, especially women tend not to do that as much. Would you highly recommend that? Yeah, I would probably say don't do it necessarily to look like a bodybuilder. No, um, that's hard. But, right. I know bodybuilders are like, people think they can just come to the gym and look like us. They're like, no way. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I would say focusing on having more lean muscles is important because having lean muscle is going to increase your bone density. So as you get older, you know, mm -hmm. you don't fall and suddenly have a fracture. A fracture after a fall, particularly in the elderly, is one of the highest incidences of people going into death because your body has to you know, overcome a lot, you know, it's an inflammatory state, that trauma of, of mm -hmm. having a fracture, which is why I think, you know, developing lean muscle is very important. So I think, you mm -hmm. know, as we get older, I think that's more important. And again, it's not so that you're looking like a bodybuilder per se, you know, because if you don't have that, you lose mm -hmm. lean muscle, your body replaces that with fat. So, so it's you nicer to have the muscle. <laughs> All right, exactly. 
than the fat as well. You gave a famous TEDx talk called The Unconventional Prescription. You are your best medicine. Can you talk a little bit about that and about the vision and mission that you have with it? Yeah, well, the talk was really, you know, before I wrote the book and it was rediscovering who I was as a person and stepping mm -hmm. into that person, stepping into my authenticity and mm -hmm. showing up to the world as me, mm -hmm. along with all those positive emotions that were there was my medicine. That's how mm -hmm. I reverse disease. And really it was the idea that, you know, so many people are not awakened to who they are in their life. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. as you awaken to you and as you rediscover you, and as you live as you, you'll find that maybe if you happen to be dealing with some disease before stepping mm -hmm. into yourself is a great starting point for, mm -hmm. to reverse that. Mm -hmm. I love that. And you talked about the emotional journey. So you were, when you had five years ago, your moment and sort of looking at the diseases and fixing that, but then it was the process around emotions and thought and mindset. Can you talk us a little bit about that journey that you went through the different processes and what you recommend to clients and patients? Yeah, certainly. So we bring up stress and emotions and mm -hmm. I would probably say that I don't think I was a very happy person. I was always chasing things mm -hmm. and I showed up with a smile all the time, but that was the yeah. mask I learned to put on, right? Yeah. And then I started to study the different emotional states, like when you're stressed, mm -hmm. when you're worried, when you're mm -hmm. fearful, when mm -hmm. there's hate in your body, when there's resentment there, those negative emotional states mm -hmm. actually drive up the inflammatory response in our body. Your body really has, you know, when we talked about our optimal cellular state, if you're giving the cell everything it needs, it's like, mm -hmm. awesome. I'm going to do what I'm here to do, which is grow, which is to heal. And we've got mm -hmm. enormous capabilities to heal. Yeah. When you don't give the cell what it needs, it thinks that it's in danger or mm -hmm. it's in a stress or survive state. Mm -hmm. And that's when you activate the inflammatory process. So mm -hmm. those negative or lower vibrational emotional states, like I just mentioned, makes mm -hmm. your body actually think that you're in a stress or survive state. So what happens in that state? Well, your body will actually increase inflammation mm -hmm. and it will lower your immunity. And that really sets the stage of getting, you know, chronic symptoms and chronic mm -hmm. disease, just mm -hmm. like I talked about before. Mm -hmm. So when I started to understand that, I was like, oh my God, you know, mm -hmm. if I spend my time in these worried or stress states, how do I get out of it? One, here's the cool thing with everything that I'm mentioning here. Mm -hmm. These are all energetically connected in our body. These mm -hmm. physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual practices are all connected. If you are low in one area in your life, if that's a hard area to address, Mm -hmm. The cool thing is because they're all energetically connected, you could work mm -hmm. on something else that might be easier. And for a lot and of people- raise it as well. Okay. Yeah. A lot of it is working on the physical stuff before uh -huh. working on all these other things. And you'll notice that it's easier. Like for example, mm -hmm. as I started to sleep better, eat better and move, mm -hmm. I naturally just felt better. Those mm -hmm. were all the physical things. Then you have more energy to mm -hmm. tackle some of these other things. And mm -hmm. as you start to feel better, you're going to mm -hmm. start to think better, which will also- you know, now that things run in, like everything outside of life might be the same, but you see it from a different lens because mm -hmm. when your energy increases, your antenna for receiving starts to change as well, right? Mm -hmm. That's the other cool part is recognizing as you shift one thing, it makes it very easier to shift the other things. And, you know, the great thing to do, you know, with the emotional things is just recognizing, oh, okay, I've got these emotions here. Now, mm -hmm. where does it come when we talk about thoughts, our mindset, and our belief systems? Mm -hmm. Well, these things, and a lot of it, we come up with 
thoughts and our beliefs at a very early age, you know, Mm -hmm. from the ages of zero to seven, our brains like a sponge that will Mm -hmm. take in things like, you know, ancestral things that, you know, might get passed down to your parents who get passed down to you, stuff you Mm -hmm. see in the media, in your family, society will start to put in all these belief systems that are in your brain. Now you've got a set of belief systems and basically the circumstances in the world kind of run through these belief systems. And then you will interpret that as safe or not safe. Mm-hmm. right? And then your body will react with an emotion, right? Yep. And it's through these subconscious beliefs then that give us these emotions. And you, then you got to say, oh, okay, well, I'm stressed out. So is there a saber-toothed tiger right behind me right now? Mm-hmm. Or am mm-hmm. I falling off a 10-story building? Because if that's not the case, oh, yeah. then there's something on the inside. Maybe it's that belief that I'm not enough. Maybe it's the mm-hmm. belief that I'm not worthy or that I don't belong. Some Mm -hmm. of these limiting beliefs that got implanted in there that was Mm -hmm. not really you. And -hmm. if you start to understand that that's the case, that that unless there's true danger that you're Mm -hmm. facing, and if that danger is not there, then then you got to say, okay, maybe there's these beliefs. Mm -hmm. And you know, I don't go through that in my book, but I do go through that in my online course, the Thrive State Accelerator, which Mm -hmm. I'll give your listeners a discount if they want to do. But there are exercises that you can actually do Uh to to question some of those beliefs and to start mm-hmm. to install some new empowering ones. Mm-hmm. So if you start to shift some of those negative beliefs that put you in those negative states and then have the intention of really installing these positive ones that mm-hmm. put you in these positive emotional states, because as mm-hmm. those negative emotional states increase the inflammatory process, mm-hmm. emotions like love, like gratitude, like mm-hmm. laughter, like connection, all those emotional mm-hmm. states are mm-hmm. actually anti-aging. Which is so fantastic. And I mean, not only do they feel good, it's like win, 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 right? You, right, you, exactly. Your health span increases, your longevity increases, you feel good, you have better relationships. I mean, it's really amazing. And yeah. how was that journey? I mean, out of interest for you, how did you come to that? How did you go down that path from, you know, looking at yourself in the mirror and thinking, what am I doing wrong? Okay, I need a fix from the outside. And then how did you find that way to the emotional side of things? Because that's, you know, quite far away from traditional Western medicine. Yeah. So I have to admit to the audience here that, you know, I am a constant work in progress. There are (laughs) times (laughs) that, you know, I find myself, you know, in that monkey mind. Oh, and, you know, sometimes I find myself there, you know, for a couple of minutes, Mm -hmm. sometimes there for a little bit longer. And then finally, I'm like, okay, no, I'm going to snap out of it now. Mm -hmm. I've indulged in this long enough. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm constantly doing the work. And what does it look like for me in the process? Well, it's, you know, installing new practices and having the awareness of what you might be going through. If you can kind of look at yourself and look at your life and then look at your mind, if you can be the observer of your mind and not be like, okay, all my thoughts in here are real. And let me tell you, everybody, your thoughts, most of them, 70 to 80% of your thoughts are negative and are false, but they're used to protect you. You know, they're used to protect you from danger or perceived danger because, you know, Our body feels like if we don't belong or fit in, you know, you might get cast away. Our ancestors used to get cast away, you know, out of the village. Yeah, exactly. And and that's a dangerous thing. (laughs) Exactly. So it's used to keep us safe, but it's Mm -hmm. a very primitive brain. It's great, you know, that something like that's there so that when you're touching hot water, you pull away right away, Mm -hmm. but it's not there. It's not so great if you're not aware of it and it leads your life. So. What are your favorite hacks in a day that some of the audience members could maybe use as well when you catch yourself going down that negative path or that monkey mind taking over because it has such a profound impact also on your health? So what are little hacks that someone could try and do? 
Great question. You know, one of the things uh, Tony Robbins says is in your head, you're dead. So if you find yourself actually in your head and not necessarily in your body or in the present space, if you're just in here, your body thinks that there might be danger or might be stress going on, right? So, mm-hmm. and then when you're in that space, you're in the sympathetic state of your body, right? Mm-hmm. Fight, flight, freeze, right? Mm-hmm. So techniques that bring you back to the parasympathetic to calm you down is so important. So here's some hacks. And mm-hmm. these are basically hacks that you would do when you can imagine there's no saber-toothed tiger behind you and you're just relaxed. Well, what happens? Well, one, you could do things from the physical level, right? Mm-hmm. If you start to breathe very slowly, mm-hmm. into your nose, in through the nose, out mm-hmm. through the mouth, just very slowly, and you keep your exhale longer than your inhale, what you do is you activate your vagus nerve and you'll put yourself into the parasympathetic state because guess mm-hmm. what? Will you be feeling that way or breathing that way when there's saber-toothed tigers behind you? No, you wouldn't, right? You're you're panicking, you're breathing very fast. So that's one way to hack it. The other Mm -hmm. thing is, well, what does deer like to do when they're not being chased by a saber-toothed tiger? When they're just grazing, you know, in the meadow, Mm -hmm. they're just Mm going to look up into nature and just gaze, Mm -hmm. right? Soft gaze, yeah. So Mm -hmm. if you get out in nature and you softly gaze out, Mm -hmm. you know, in nature, you Mm -hmm. relax your eyes and again, Mm -hmm. That's not something you do when there's two tigers behind you, but your body learns to do that. So when you do that, when you just do a soft gaze, you bring yourself there. Other hacks you can do is listen to music that puts you in those positive emotional states, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So use music, use movement, right? Mm-hmm. If you could just stand in a power pose, right? There's yeah. a Harvard study that demonstrates that if you stand in, in a superhero or a heroine's pose, you uh-huh. actually lower cortisol and you increase mm-hmm. testosterone, which yeah. increases the feelings of confidence that you have in your body. Yeah. There's a great uh, TED talk by uh, Amy Cuddy yep. as well. Yeah. I yep. love that one. Yeah. It's really, uh, really great. You know, I go through a lot of these little hacks, but I'm, you know, just pulling stuff out of my head. There's a great quote that I constantly go back to, and it's from mm-hmm. Austrian Holocaust survivor, Victor Frankl. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a physician, you know, in the Holocaust and he witnessed mm-hmm. a lot of friends pass away and a lot of just atrocities in that camp. And he said this between stimulus and response, there's a space. Mm-hmm. And in that space is our power to choose our response. And in mm-hmm. our response lies our growth and freedom. And this just says this, we could have all these subconscious beliefs or things that might be leading the way that might not be us, Mm -hmm. but if we can pause and create that space and then decide, decide in that space, how we want to respond, that's the magic. So if you find yourself like caught in a negative emotional state, pause and do 10 deep breaths in through your nose, out through your mouth. What does it do? Again, activates your vagus nerves, puts you in parasympathetic. All right. Mm -hmm. And then I want people to act or ACT, which stands for awareness, choice, and then take action. So Mm -hmm. you might have the awareness, okay, I'm starting to feel nervous, worried, anxious, whatever it might be. Okay, have that awareness. Mm -hmm. Ask yourself where it is in your body. All right. Mm -hmm. So I'm starting to feel this thing. Here's the thing. When you start to tap into that parasympathetic state, you already start to notice that that charge will start to dissipate. You're not going to be as nervous or worried. Then you might have the awareness. Okay, I'm starting to feel this way. Well, why is that the case? Oh, is that that belief that I'm not enough again? Is that that, you know, stress, you Mm -hmm. know, or money or whatever it might be? It might be those things that come up. Mm -hmm. Then you see, choose. All right. Just for fun, can I choose to be happy or feel gratitude or feel Mm -hmm. love or feel connected? Can I make my body feel that? You know, and this is all a muscle. When you train this, you get better and better in doing that. Then you choose that intention. And then from that new energy or intention, 
love, gratitude, joy, whatever it is, take a new action from that space. Yeah. When you do that, you really like short-circuited the old response that you're conditioned to and you're creating and laying down tracks for something new. Mm-hmm. And really, it's just training your body to be in those positive emotional states. And that way, you are not subject to basically all that negative programming that mm-hmm. you know we grew up with that is in our brain, but instead choose the reality we want to step into and live as that. And I find that to be you know very, very empowering because you could use that same technique if you're starting to not feel anxious or worried, but oh man, I really want to reach out for that chocolate cake right now. <laughs> oh, there's that stimulus, which in stimulus response, there's a space. Do yeah. the 10 deep breaths and, and do that mm-hmm. act process. And mm-hmm. hopefully you choose to like go for a walk or sip on some sugar-free sparkling water. And but, make that choice as well. And, that's really and it's beautiful. Really in our choices and our habits in our actions yeah. that make up our bioenergetic state as mm-hmm. well as our longevity, performance, and optimal health. Yeah, and so beautifully said. And thank you for sharing that. And also the quotes, Victor Frank, is such an inspiration also. And I'd love to take a deep dive into your book now, Thrive State, Your yeah. Blueprint for Optimal Health, Longevity, and Peak Performance. So how did it go from having your own Eureka moment, doing your own discovery? You had the TED Talk. And what was your motivation behind putting it all in the book and you know bringing it all together and the bioenergetic model, really getting it out there? Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, so... I saw a lot of changes in my body as I went through my disease reversing process, but I wanted to make sense of all of it. And I also wanted to put it together in a way that it's easy to understand. And also as a framework, I can use to say, okay, can I diagnose or can I help somebody else with this problem? Because, you know, modern medicine says, hey, you get this medical history, but you're not asking questions of how much they're sleeping, what they're eating, you know, and all these other things in their life. So I wanted a tool I could use. And as I started to study health and epigenetics and anti-aging and regenerative medicine, I started to notice these patterns, right? Mm -hmm. Well, what are the things to decrease depression? You know, like, okay, exercise, sleep better, eat better. You're like, okay, your blood pressure. Okay, exercise, sleep better. (laughs) So all these different things or all these different diseases, what are all the common things are are common. They start to show up over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And once I started to understand that, I started to understand that, okay, disease isn't some some isolated thing in one particular organ system, but it's because Mm -hmm. the cells aren't given what they need. And -hmm. basically when the cells aren't given what they need, our body is not talking to each other in an optimal way. That's when you get, you know, disease symptoms. And when Mm -hmm. I pieced that all together, I was like, wow, this is really a good framework to approach life and health and made a lot of sense. And that's why I wanted to put it together. One, so that I had something I could work with my clients with. And I found that once I evaluated somebody's bioenergetic state and where they were, and as Mm -hmm. we started to address some of those things, Mm -hmm. a lot of their symptoms sort of disappeared. That was really the crux of as the putting it all into a system. And I go into the science of how the old way of thinking about health is, you know, you get stuff from mom and dad, which is your DNA, and Mm -hmm. that's the health that you're given. But Mm -hmm. that's actually not the case. Our DNA is not a fixed thing. You know, if our DNA was fixed, you know, nothing was changeable. We would basically be a one cell thing because, you know, you've got the same DNA in every single cell. But what Mm -hmm. makes your eye cell different from your lung cell, different from your heart cell, is that not all the genes are turned on in exactly the right time. And it's how these genes are turned on and turned off 
on a moment-to-moment, like microsecond-to-microsecond basis, that what determines how a cell behaves. And that's how you get the different cells in your body. And that's how you get optimal health in your body as well, is how this DNA is being expressed. And it turns out that the DNA is constantly listening and interacting with the environment that's around it. This bioenergetic state. And as I, you know, start to explain it this way, people are like, oh, wow, I had no idea I can be in control of my bioenergetic state. So mm-hmm. I find putting it in a framework that people can, can truly understand empowers mm-hmm. them. And when people can yeah. say, oh, my God, I'm in the thrive state, that's something that people can reach for and really empowers them to do their own work. Mm-hmm. It's so fantastic. And and I'd love for people interested to understand, you know, say a patient comes to you and they're saying, you know, I'm a bit tired. I'm, you know, off my game, maybe a little bit, but I don't know what it is. What does that process look like for you understanding what's going on in their bioenergetic model and their state? Yeah. So in the not too distant future, we'll have AI be able to recognize like people's Mm -hmm. facial gesture because all energy is all linked. So you might be able to just read somebody's facial expressions and understand what their biology is. I, I think we'll get there. I mean, I think yeah. I think a friend of mine came up with a technology to use AI and facial recognition to determine if you've got COVID or not. Right now, we've got, you know, basically surrogates for our health. So what does it look like when a patient comes to me? Is one, I do a bioenergetic assessment. So I'm asking them about those seven bioenergetic elements in their life and mm-hmm. then, you know, seeing what type of symptoms that they have. Mm-hmm. Once I get their bioenergetic assessment in terms of what their lifestyle is, I also do a pretty complete laboratory analysis. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at markers for inflammation. I'm looking at markers for cardiovascular disease. I'm mm-hmm. looking at markers for insulin resistance because mm-hmm. those are the big ones. Yeah. And I also test for some micronutrients or the main ones that their people are deficient in. Mm-hmm. And I would probably say that if people start to just shift their bioenergetic state through lifestyle, a lot mm-hmm. of those other things change. But for some people, there are some, you know, new methods in anti-aging when it comes to hormone optimization, nutrient Mm -hmm. optimization, and peptide therapy. You know, I put some people on that, but here's the good news. For the most part, you know, you don't really need that per se. I mean, if you Mm -hmm. look at centenarians from people that live in Sardinia or in Okinawa, they don't got any of that fancy stuff. They're they're just... (laughs) There's just right at the basics. And the basics are basically those seven bioenergetic elements we talk about in my book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we mentioned them before. I love that. And so you're very energetic and empowering. And I'm sure anyone who's come in contact with you directly, you know, is able to follow. But how do you get people to change habits and routines? You know, I think everyone has these good intentions. How do you get people to really persevere and to make that shift? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I have something I put people through in my program, which is called a hero prescription. Really, just my framework of how do I work with people? And HERO mm-hmm. stands for something, H-E-R-O. And mm-hmm. H is hunger, right? If you mm-hmm. want to make people change, very oftentimes they find that if it's just for themselves, they're not going to do it. So yeah. people need to know what drives them. What is their hunger? What mm-hmm. is their why? Are they mm-hmm. changing because they want to be the best versions of themselves for mm-hmm. their children, mm-hmm. you know, for their spouse, Mm-hmm. for their community, for their mm-hmm. family. But it, what is it? Usually if, it, if it's for themselves, it, it really reaches a limit. You're not going to draw in and like, oh, okay, well, I don't really need to do that for myself. But if it's for something bigger, knowing your why, you know, like Simon mm-hmm. Sinek says, knowing that why is so important. So mm-hmm. once I know that, it's always a lever I can tug on somebody that I'm working with. The mm-hmm. next part E is energy, which is really the bioenergetic state. It's really mm-hmm. 
seven bioenergetic elements. Where are they? What are the things that are really throwing them off? And how do we install new things? Mm -hmm. The R part is reclamation. And what is reclamation? It's really knowing your identity and seeing you as this next version of yourself. So mm -hmm. one, you've got the hunger. And mm -hmm. then, you know, two, you've got the tools that you need and what you need to do to install new habits. What's going to make you move on that? You know, mm -hmm. for me, you know, my energy before was, you know, I'm somebody that was not enough and I would never reach that. And I'm always chasing, chasing, chasing. But what about installing a new identity? What about mm -hmm. saying, no, I am somebody that shows up. I'm somebody that wants to do the work. I'm somebody who wants to contribute this to the world and knowing that every single day. And mm -hmm. I have a person visualize who they want to be physically, what, mm -hmm. how they want to contribute and mm -hmm. leaving them with that identity so that mm -hmm. they can say, okay, now I've got all these things that Dr. Vu wants me to do, you know, for my bioenergetic state. I am this type of person to do that. Mm -hmm. And the last part is, you know, a lot of people come to me for, because look, everything in the bioenergetic state thing, you can learn from my book, Thrive State, or you could take my course, the Thrive State Accelerator. But some people, you know, want to go a little bit deeper. And that's when we do the lab work. That's when we maybe look at their hormones and optimize that. That's the O, which is optimization. Because for some people, you know, they wanted to just sort of get to that next level. And there's certain things, you know, as we age, we tend to lose, you know, certain things like, you know, our hormones naturally kind of decline. Now, mm -hmm. working on your bioenergetic state will make sure that everything's optimally functioning to a certain level. But for those people who want like a little extra boost with the latest in sort of integrative medicine, regenerative medicine, things like that, that's mm -hmm. the optimization part. What are your favorite hacks in the optimization parts for those biohackers out there, myself a bit included? Which areas do you find the most exciting what's happening at the moment? I keep things pretty simple. I mean, I'm willing to try a lot of different things. And, you know, I've spent so much in trying to upgrade my body that I don't know what is doing what, you know. <laughs> Accumulation right? I, I, and then the placebo effect probably as well, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but here's a cool thing too. Like, I don't mind, you know, the placebo effect. I just want to know, like, hey, look, if it works and my mind making it work, hey, I'm Whatever. willing to pay, right? Yeah. Well, you it's save some money, I guess, result, if you know right? it was right? <laughs> the placebo. Oh, right. right. <laughs> as well. What are some of my favorites? Well, you know, I love a nice ice bath and in, in cold mm -hmm. plant. You oh, know, what's, that, what's your time limit? What can you manage? I'm in there for five to seven. And honestly, I can wow. be in there longer, but I'm just like, hey, this is good. I'll get out for a few minutes and I'll jump in again. Do you do it with like the Wim Hof breathing technique beforehand? Yeah, I do that with Wim Hof breathing. You know, I was at an A-Fest, which is a Mind Valley conference, and he was there and we all jumped into the jacuzzi together filmed but it wasn't the true experience a cold because, jacuzzi i get it it was a cold jacuzzi but there was a lot of warm bodies so i don't think we got as cold as, as we did but it was great practice for when i did it later on i find that to be very helpful a lot of people are into a lot of the greater hacks i like to keep things very simple i intermittent fast and i what find does that, that look like for you what is your time window my time window is like 1 p.m to about 6 or 7 p.m mm -hmm. and i just mm -hmm. want to let people know this it's like you know if you just look at how our ancestors did it, that's probably the right way. And yeah. what did they do? There are times that they ate and there's times they didn't. They did mm -hmm. not eat three times a day. No. And it wasn't every day that they necessarily ate and not every day that they you know, fasted. There were some times they ate more than others. So I feel that variability you know, might be fine, but I think I know people want to stick to a schedule and, and you know, it's good for with their lives. Mine is a little bit more schedulized, but if you just think, hey, I don't need to eat all the time, you know, and just eat when you're hungry, eat when your body like, hey, you know, gives you a little tug versus emotional eating or, you know, eating when you're bored just to fill in a gap. Yeah. 
So, and I think what you said before also with that reconnecting with your body is actually reconnecting with what is actually hunger, right? So I think yes. and so many of us have grown up for, you know, you have your three meals a day. Some people even have like five meals a day with snacks and things as well. You've actually forgotten what the sensation is to feel real, like genuine hunger. And actually, if you study it as well, and I mean, you'll know this better than me, but you know, if you actually wait long enough, the hunger sensation will go and people have done longer fast, myself included. I mean, if I have sparkling water with some fresh lemon, if I'm feeling hungry and this is on a fast, it actually goes away within five minutes and then I'm fine again for the next 24 hours. And if I talk to the people, they're like, you're starving yourself. What are you doing? And I was like, no, I'm actually, you know, rejuvenating myself. And it's really yeah, great. For the I mean, and it feels really great for anybody yeah. who hasn't tried it yet. You feel mm -hmm. so much sharper, you know, you're not sluggish. And yeah. just like you said, you know, you basically did that very thing, you know, like Victor Frankl, you created space mm -hmm. with a little bit of time, with a little bit of sparkling water, which is why I drink <laughs> it so much, because there were so many bad things. I have things it myself here. I'm like, nope, you know, I'm going to grab this instead. With the fresh lemon as well. You touched on something that I really love as a personal topic also that I've been sort of discovering the last years, but purpose and the why. How do you advise patients and clients and people you come in touch with and inspire on finding their purpose and finding their why? How do you help or what advice do you give them on that journey? Well, that's a great question. And I struggled with this for a little bit too. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I had done the science behind, you know, studying purpose and this mm -hmm. concept called eudaimonic happiness, which is the happiness you feel when you feel connected to something bigger. It's mm -hmm. the happiness that you feel when you're giving back. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that people that develop this eudaimonic happiness or purpose, you know, mm -hmm. In America, they live seven years longer. You've got a lower chance of getting a cardiovascular event, such as a heart attack or a stroke. Mm -hmm. Your telomeres are also longer. And for those people who don't know what telomeres are, they're basically these base pairs at the end of your DNA that protect your DNA from getting degraded. So it's a marker for longevity. And so the next question is, if purpose or eudaimonic happiness has so much great health benefits, how the heck do I find mine? And yes. you can get into a state of analysis paralysis going, oh man, I really need to find mine. And it's as I start to study from the spiritual teachers, it's less a matter of finding rather than remembering. Mm -hmm. Remember like that mm -hmm. our natural state, if I look at my daughter now, she is you know, constantly in a state of joy. And if she's not, it's because she needs something, right? You know, she's hungry or like, yeah. you know, something's uncomfortable. That's her natural mm -hmm. state. And mm -hmm. those emotions, those positive anti-aging emotions that I talk about, we all have them as kids. I mean, unless we were given like a lot of trauma, but I mean, yeah. we know what gives us those positive emotional states. Yeah. And if we can remember those things that give us those positive emotional states and we do those things, those things are kind of like our passions, which is ingrained into our own DNA. Mm -hmm. And if we do those things and we serve other people with them uh -huh. and sharing us with other people, mm -hmm. then really that's our purpose. And our purpose is also this. Our purpose is also the gifts of the struggle that we have been through, that mm -hmm. we have overcome and mm -hmm. now have this power, the superpower, because we've overcome something and share that. So mm -hmm. our purpose Really, it's all the things that bring us joy. And it's all those things that life has given to us to overcome. It's really us. Your purpose is you. Your purpose is just sharing you with other people, with your community, with your neighbor, with your family, with the world at large, sharing your gift. And your gift is really just the authentic version of you. So as you discover you, if you discover you know, what brings you those positive emotional states again, that's the cool thing. I mean... Our biology is really gifting us with abundant health 
in peak performance when we know who we are and then we get to serve the brilliance of who we are with other people. Wow, that's so powerful. So beautifully said. And thank you so much. And I think that's the, you know, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, right? So that we yeah. go on and then being in service to others and giving back again. And what gratitude and pleasure it is to also serve others and being able to share something that was so difficult and traumatic and vulnerable in your personal journey. And the fact that you've taken that, turned it around and now are helping so many people around the world. So it's really, really incredible. I'd like to talk about emotional intelligence, which oh, okay. you obviously have a very high EQ. You said that you've trained it partially, but I think it's probably <laughs> some of it's innate as well. But can you talk a little bit about EQ, our emotional intelligence, emotional quantum, and how is it different to IQ? And are there ways to actually improve someone's EQ and why this is important? So emotional intelligence is just really being aware of your emotions and how it affects your actions, your behaviors, and all of those things, and understanding where things are coming from and being able to shift your emotions as necessary. Mm -hmm. Your IQ or your intelligence quotient really mm -hmm. are basically the aptitudes that you might be given with, like how well you're able to understand a concept or to be able to make certain calculations. That's your IQ. It's completely different from your EQ, but mm -hmm. your, your EQ is so important because you transfer your emotions, your energy to other people. And if you're in those lower vibrational emotional states, anger, fear, resentment, jealousy, worry, anxiety, mm -hmm. your ability to think in that state is diminished and mm -hmm. your ability to communicate with another person is diminished and your ability to influence the other person is also mm -hmm. very diminished, which is why EQ is so important in business settings and in speaking and being able to coach, mm -hmm. you know, because if you're in those emotional states, you know, you're really not going to get across what you truly want to get across. Mm -hmm. uh, and being able to understand that and being able to understand, okay, where are you in the emotional realm? And can I then tap into more positive emotional states or emotional mm -hmm. states are, are more constructive for conversation, for communication, for influence, for co-elevation of other people? It's super important. And yes, you can train that. And, you know, a lot of the practices come really from awareness. Can you always pause where you're at and go, oh, I'm triggered again. All mm -hmm. right. Oh, where did that trigger come from? All right. Let, let me explore the ways that thing is, you know, has come from and always constantly being able to be the awareness, mm -hmm. you know, being mm -hmm. aware that you are aware. Once you are in that state, you can maybe from the bird's eye view, start to see some of the old programming and yep. go, oh, okay, that's old programming. I could choose something different. The steps, just to recap. So basically the pausing, then the awareness, and then the choice. realization, and then the yeah. choice, right? Yeah. And then you rewire yourself, and then you go from there, which gets you to this thrive state of being able to re-choose your emotions. And yeah, yeah. I love that. Really, really great. I have a few rapid fire questions for you sure. that uh, we're always interested in hearing before we wrap up. And I've really been enjoying this. I feel like we could talk all day. What are some bad recommendations you hear in your area of expertise? Yeah, bad areas are a lot of people right now in the States talk about hormone optimization, talk about some of the new type of hacks that could be potentially very expensive. You know, some people do stem cells, exosomes and things like that, you know, as well as, you know, do hormone optimization. I think, you know, it's important. Great. But you need to optimize somebody's bioenergetic state first, you know? Yeah. Don't mm -hmm. throw thousands and thousands and tens upon thousands of dollars, you know, with these products 
mm-hmm. you're not mastering somebody's bioenergetic, bioenergetic state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if you're in a poor bioenergetic state, your markers are all going to be off just because you're in the poor bioenergetic state. And yeah. you're going to be more in an inflammatory state. What a lot of these other things do, they're great in terms of being able to have growth factors to help put people in a more elevated state, but they attack inflammation first. You know, you're pouring in all these things with, you know, you're just fixing basically the hole in your boat rather than, you know, yeah. kind of building it up. So I would probably say, you know, one of the mistakes people do is they don't work on the lifestyle factors first. Let mm-hmm. that be your base. From that point on, then you see if there's still any other cracks that you could use new technologies for, mm-hmm. but don't use that first if you've got a lot of leaks in your boat, you know? Yeah, that's really wise advice. What are some of the learnings or insights that your clients you work with have found the most valuable? What I think they find most valuable is really, you know, the pause, right? Mm-hmm. I think so many people, just like myself a few years ago, and myself now that I catch myself, I'm still like this every day. So I'm not going to let people know I'm, I'm some guru that doesn't go You're through human. this. But, yeah. but You're an optimized mind, human, I should say. Right. <laughs> Right. The monkey mind is there. The monkey mind is something that we got trained to do. That's where all the old programmings, the not enoughs, all these things that are constantly. Ego. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that actually sits in something called the default mode network in our brain. And I just briefly touch upon, you know, the work of psychedelics and what it can do to kind of like allow you to be a little bit more conscious of your monkey mind. Mm-hmm. But recognizing that, being able to see that and being able to see that you've got a new choice and not necessarily there is, I think, something that my clients are go, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was in the matrix. You know, I don't know if people are aware of that. Of course. Movie. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. in the matrix. Oh, okay. I could choose something different. And that distinction there, I think, is very empowering because really that movie is really what Viktor Frankl says between stimulus and response. There's that space. And then you've got that seed of the power. And there are certain days I'm like, you know what? I'm in the matrix and you know what? I'm just going to torture myself in here for a little <laughs> bit. Just because. And then, so that tomorrow I'll remember why I do. Right, I do. right, right. That's <laughs> yeah. my choice. I'm going to do that. And then you're like, oh my God. Okay. That's enough here. I'm going to choose different and I'm going to make a different direction. I love that. What is your, and you've given us some really beautiful quotes, but do you have one favorite quote or piece of advice that has been a real game changer for you? Yeah. So there's a quote from Byron and Katie, which Tony Robbins adapted to, which is things in life don't happen to you. They happen for you. Mm -hmm. And I butchered the quote. It's something like that. And that just goes to show this, that, you know, no matter where you are, if you can always see you know, your life and use that mindset shift to approach anything you have in life, you Mm -hmm. can shift your emotional state right there. Mm -hmm. You know, when my Mm -hmm. bank accounts went like, you know, dropped, you know, when COVID first hit, Mm -hmm. I was faced with that. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, how is this happening for me? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sure you learned something through it, right? What was your learning? Well, absolutely. Well, I had to put exactly what, you know, you know, I was writing my book and it was like thrive state. How is this thriving right now? And with my bank account just went Whoa, thriving boom. despite the bank account. <laughs> right. Right. You know, I had, you know, a partner in my life. I had a daughter who was, you know, still in her mom's womb. I had a new bonus daughter come in my life. And then right at that point, like I, you know, I've never been lower, you know, uh, before with all my assets and with business, like, you know, booming. And I was like, how is this the thrive state? <laughs> and here's the thing, like, you know, prior to that, I've never really opened my heart or my mm-hmm. mind or my life mm-hmm. to anybody. Mm-hmm. 
I was constantly thinking of myself. It mm -hmm. really is an opportunity for us to come in together, be vulnerable with each other. And, you know, really that point in my life has allowed, you know, me to open up my heart so much more. And that has been invaluable. And so, you know, that quote is just very, very special because if you can really accept what that quote is, you can always take whatever you're going through at that moment and ask yourself at that moment, mm -hmm. rather than wait the next year, five years down the line where you learn your lesson, you could be like, oh no, I'm going to figure it out now. I'm going to figure it out now. How is this happening for me now? Yeah. Because you mm -hmm. know you'll figure it out five years ago. Oh, okay, yeah, that was a blessing. But yeah. why give yourself the five years of torture and just go, okay, well, how is this a blessing now? How yeah. is this happening for me now? And yeah. if you can practice that as a practice and build that into emotional muscle, very, very powerful tool because you, you'll then have another practice to build emotional mastery, you know, and again, mastering your emotions is really mastering the medicine for your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I love that. And Steve Jobs said in a Stanford commemoration speech from 2005, it's only when you look back and you connect the dots. And I think that's really nicely said because you realize it. But I really like your hack to say, you know, even though you're feeling the pain, the pressure, the state at the moment, like what could be the benefit of it and shifting yeah. that view, that perspective yeah. in the moment instead of waiting for five years of that. So yeah. that's really good advice. What has been your most exciting purchase in the last six months? I love details and brands. Ooh. Most exciting purchase in the last six mm -hmm. months. Can be $10, can be $100, $1,000. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think here. Oh, uh, yes. I was saying my most exciting purchase, which is also a sleep hack. Oh, okay. Because Perfect. it helps me with sleep, which is something called a snoo, S-N-O-O. -O. And if you don't know what that is, it's a baby crib that like causes a little swivel or rock. So it allows my daughter to sleep through the night. What? The question, is it for you or for her? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's for both of us. It's a win-win all around. Win-win. <laughs> a snoo very cool yeah and anything to have the kids sleep i know exactly what's been the biggest challenge you faced in the last five years so you've talked about a few different ones but what would you call your biggest challenge and how did you overcome that that's great i mean there's so many challenges i mean one we've got the health challenge we've got mm -hmm. sort of covid challenge you know transitioning all of that i would mm -hmm. probably say that you know, it's related to what I talked about before was really, you know, we're transitioning a lot of, you know, beings and souls in my household right now. You know, mm -hmm. we've got my bonus daughter who, you know, still probably feels a little bit of resistance, not understanding, you know, what this new dynamic is. And there is some, you know, times she goes, you know, I hate you and things like that. And that's very hurtful. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there are times I respond negatively to that and like, okay, well, I'm providing this home. How do you feel that way? Then I'm like, no look at what this child has gone through. You know, they've, she's gone through a divorce. She's gone through this thing and transitioning. Now I got to compete, you know, with time with mommy, with this guy, with this fool, right? And understanding that, right? And seeing how I could show up better as a person. Showing up for my partner, you know, who've had her share of traumas. I've had my share of traumas that put up walls, you know, to each other. Mm -hmm. All right, how can we let that wall down? How can mm -hmm. we show up with love, even in times we, we want to fight? That's been constant work that I choose. And then, 
you know, showing up as a dad and being somebody that my my younger one, and I feel this with, with, with both my children, how do I show up as the very best version of myself to them? What type of life, how do I teach them self-worth? A lot of that I'm navigating now, and I never got a chance to navigate that. You know, I was what, you know, 40, 40 years, I was pretty much not willing to open up my heart. And I would probably say it's a challenge, but it's also a challenge I take on very happily. And I know that I'm evolving myself as a man, as a father, as a lover during this process. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. And so powerful as well. And I guess this will also be more information that you can be sharing in in your learning journey on this to help other people as well. So it sounds really profound. You are so high energy and doing so many amazing things at the same time. What are your weekly or daily routines and practices that have really helped you perform at such a high level? Yeah, so it's all routines. When it's not built into a routine and practice, then you you can be assured that the monkey mind will come around, right? And it's really the monkey mind paired in with, you know, all the junk from society's teaching as you're growing older or whatever, <laughs> that combination there combination. is the chronic disease, right? <laughs> when we could just tap into who we really are and why we're really meant to be here and to celebrate that is really a truly, it's a medicine. So because we were kind of programmed in that way, I think unless you learn meditation earlier on as mm-hmm. children, which I'm going to see how I can implement that into my children's life is practices. And so, you know, I wake up in the morning, probably about, you know, 5.30 or 6 every morning, and I go outside, I'm getting some sunlight and I'm moving. And then I go to a gym where I am with community. My trainer is a Hollywood trainer. He trains a lot of celebrities, but he's also one of the most positive people I know. And putting myself in people that have that kind of energy is infectious. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to be successful, you want to be healthy, you know, Mm -hmm. pick the right community because that energy is infectious. You'll pick up on their mindset. You'll pick up on their habits. So I have that. And then after that, I, you know, I'm really kind of looking at myself and I'm practicing sort of a combination of visualization and meditation. Like, how does the perfect day look? How do I want to show up today? There's Mm -hmm. going to be stuff that hits me. How do I want to show up? And just telling myself that from the beginning, this is really part of that reclamation part of Mm -hmm. my hero's process is like Mm -hmm. this new identity. Can I be that even though I might not feel that way? Can I be that like intentionally? Mm And I go on through my day knowing that, hey, there's going to be some curveballs throughout the day and things like that. But setting that morning ritual, that morning routine is so important because, mm-hmm. you know, I know so many people, the first thing that they do, they, they wake up is, is go to their phones. And mm-hmm. right when you go to your phone, that's when you say, okay, monkey mind. Yeah. Then this you're body in the list. Yeah. yeah. I have to be reactive and I'm behind in those emails. Yeah. It's yeah. a downhill battle there. Right. So powerful to start your day like that. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of stuff, other stuff I do during the day, but I would probably say just starting off my day with that is so important. Such and then little practices too that, you know, practices that I do with my partner to make sure that, you know, we're connected every day because sometimes, you know, you could dive into your work and you're not connected and having practices to include each other, you know, like every time we leave each other or come back, we got to make sure we connect first, which isn't something that I get to try or do. So, I like that. Would you mind expanding a bit on that? How does that work? Well, yeah, there's a coming and going, right? And you can either come and go and not connect as a unit. Mm -hmm. And this just might be leaving the house or leaving the room or whatever it Mm -hmm. may be. 
But, you know, I usually am up, you know, my partner or my fiance is up sometimes in the middle of the night feeding the baby, yeah. which I don't wake up for, but she, she could be tired during the day, but not you know, untypical. sometimes <laughs> I would just leave and go into work because she's still sleeping. But now I know that, you know, as I leave, you know, maybe just connecting for a second and could be embrace and acknowledgement of, you know, here we are, you know, mm-hmm. and as I return from whatever I'm doing, Hey, Let's connect first before we talk about what we need to do with kids. Let's just, you know, be here. Check let's, in. Let's, mm-hmm. let's check in and ground our energies together as a unit. That's, That's so something. powerful. I really, really like that. Yeah, I think this is going to be a part two uh, <laughs> conversation. <laughs> we can dig into some of these really amazing aspects. What are some of the most exciting parts of the future of health, well-being and longevity that you see coming in the next years? Well, you know, I think, you know, there's two things. One, I believe that, you know, old school is coming back. The practices that basically our ancestors have to live a long life and those practices, you know, people will just start to understand, hey, I don't need all these fancy things to live a life full of health, vibrancy, and joy, you know, and have peak performance. I don't need to pay into that much. Mm -hmm. It's all these lifestyle things. Those practices are coming back. And I feel that, you know, What's new is exciting is actually quite old. So that's number one. And so the second thing is there are things, there are some really, really cool things when it comes to like, you know, testing the epigenome in terms of, you know, measuring our age, things that have to do with embryonic stem cells and their ability to help lower inflammation and to heal things in the body. That's really exciting. And really looking at different parts of our genes to go, oh, okay, you've got a small propensity to you know, not handle this certain grain or this nutrient or whatever very well. There's more precision medicine as we get a little bit more advanced. I think that's all cool. And they're really kind of divergent parts of each other. One part is really, hey, we could do it all ourselves and these older practices. And then the other part is using technology to maybe kind of take us up a notch and up to the next level. So I think all that Fine stuff. Tune. Yeah. It's exciting what's happening. And I think there's such an explosion. I was listening to David Sinclair speaking. And I mean, he's been in the space for such a long time. And he said alone the last three years, I mean, he's having trouble keeping up. There's such an exponential explosion of all these different areas and and optimizations that are coming through. So yeah, it's an exciting space to be in. For my listeners interested in understanding more about your work, where they can buy your book, how they can follow you, can you share some of the resources that they can do that and where they can find your book? Absolutely. So you could get a copy of my book at thrivestatebook.com. You can, you know, you can even sign up if you want the first three chapters where I talk about the bioenergetic state emailed to you instantly, go to that site, thrivestatebook.com. You can get it wherever books are sold as well. How do you find out a little bit more about what I do? My website is kienvumd, that's K-I-E-N-V-U-U.com or MD.com. It leads to the same place. You can find out more about my work, my speaking and whatnot. And also at kianvu.com, you could find my Thrive State Accelerator. So, you know, in addition to my book, it's basically what I do with my one-on-one clients, with my celebrity clients in LA. I break that all down to a course. And right now it's not launched yet, but people could still purchase it. It's half off now, but I'll give your listeners a code if you use the code podcast 25 when you're signing up for the thrive state accelerator you get an additional 25 percent off and then i'm on facebook linkedin instagram at kienvu md amazing thank you so much and i'll link all of these in the show notes as well just before we finish up do you have any final ask recommendation or parting thoughts or message for my audience 
Yeah. I just want to remind everybody out there that, you know, the doctor of the future is you and really you are your best medicine. Fantastic. Thank you so much for this advice and inspirational talk, Dr. V. It's been such a pleasure to have you on today. Hey, it was great to be on. Thanks for having me. Hi, everyone. This is Claudia again. Before you take off, thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I hope you learned as many valuable insights on living better for longevity as I did. I'd love you to join our longevity tribe so we can learn and grow together, as well as hear your feedback. So please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review to let me know what you thought. Thanks so much and take care.